Matthew chapter 9, please, where scripture was read just a moment ago. I want to thank Pastor for allowing me this privilege and for you to be here in God's house this morning. Rather, no place I'd rather be than in the house of the Lord. I'm sure you haven't missed the fact that we have been in harvest time in our country. I was, I grew up on a farm in southwest Iowa, so I, I uh, always notice those things, even though it's been a long time since I actually uh, employed myself uh, for very long in that great occupation. But over the years, I've never forgotten to pray for rain, pray that it stops raining, uh, pray you know, for good weather, for the harvest, and strength, and safety, and, and all of those things. And so we have a passage of scripture here where Jesus mentions the harvest. It has been said that God had only one son, and he was a missionary. And we have been emphasizing missions here in our church the last week, very appropriately so. Pastor said that missions is the proclamation of the gospel to the world in the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God. And the emphasis, I think, last Sunday and Wednesday night with the Snells has been on the proclamation of gospel to the whole world. Uh, Jesus said, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit and power will come upon you through him and you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And today, as we are closing this missions conference, I would like to have us think about reaching our Jerusalem. That is first in the places that Jesus mentioned. You're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you will have power to be witnesses unto me, first of all, in Jerusalem. And praise the Lord for those missionaries that give their lives to serve in other countries around the world. I have a deep respect for those. Uh, it, it just gives me the heebie-jeebies to think about learning another language. Um, I tried a little bit of Greek, you know, in college and all of that, and uh, that's about what it amounted to, a little bit of Greek. But I, I just love the sacrifice and the selflessness that is seen in our foreign missionaries. But we have a mission. Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem. And you and I may not be called or led to go to another country, another nation. And that's in God's plan. Because God wants you and me to be witnesses for him right here in Altoona and the surrounding area. You remember that Jesus, God's son, 
who he sent to this earth to be a missionary, Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. And then before Jesus ascended to heaven, he told his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. The Father sent me to seek and save the lost. I'm ascending back to my Father. Now I'm sending you to seek and to save the lost. Missions. We're all, as Christians, indwelt by the Holy Spirit and given the task of being a missionary wherever we are. In our text, Jesus comments concerning the harvest in verse 37. The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. In other words, there's no problem with the harvest. The harvest is plenteous. There's a problem with the laborers. The laborers are few. And that was 2,000 years ago. The harvest was plenteous. The laborers are few. And it hasn't changed in 2,000 years. The harvest is still plenteous. The fields are ripened to harvest. Like the disciples in John chapter 4, we have a tendency to look around and say, well, it's not harvest time yet. Aren't there yet four months and then comes the harvest? No, I'm saying unto you, the harvest fields are white unto harvest right now. They're ready. And we need to be involved in the harvest. We tend to be more concerned about our own comfort, our own convenience. We're glad to be saved. We're not so excited about being servants. We're glad to be heaven bound, praise the Lord. We're not so excited about being harvesters right now. We're glad to be redeemed, but not so excited about being reapers in the harvest. So what must we do? I think in this passage there are four things that Jesus did or saw or said that we need to do. We need to dare, we need to share, we need to care, and we need prayer. Please join me in prayer. Father in heaven, we are so helpless to do anything of eternal significance. Our Savior has said and taught that without him we can do nothing. Lord, we don't want this to be a do-nothing service. Lord, we don't want to leave here the same as we came in. I pray that your word would do its divine work, that your spirit would be working in our minds and in our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would do great and mighty things, exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. We, we just turn over these next few moments to you, dear Lord, and thank you that you are present with us 
and that you've promised your word would never return void. We believe it. We look forward to what you're going to do in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I want to remind you that I'm preaching to myself first and foremost, and you can listen in this morning. But there are four things, four things that we need to do. First of all, we need to dare. And in John chapter 9, Matthew, I'm sorry, chapter 9 and verse 35, then Jesus went, very important, Jesus went about all the cities and villages. I would suggest to you that that was a daring thing to do. You remember where Jesus had been for all eternity past? He'd been in glory. He'd been by the Father. He was in communion with the Trinity. He was in constant praise and adoration of all the angels. He was dressed in his regal robes. Jesus left all that. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That was a daring thing to do. And once he was here, he could have, as was suggested somewhere in a song or something this morning, I guess it was Brother, Brother Jim in Sunday school, Jesus could have commanded everybody to serve him. He's Lord of Lords and Kings of King, King of Kings, but he did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. That was a daring thing to do. And when he came to this earth, and when he went to all these villages and cities, and when he served others, and when he worked miracles, and when he preached the gospel, did everybody just receive him gladly? No, they didn't. I love alliteration, and my main points aren't alliterated, they rhyme. But the subpoints under this point start with the letter R. And I just, I'm not going to look up all these passages, but we're real close there. Notice in 834, 834, and behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to depart from their region. This is after Jesus had healed the demoniac and people were more interested in swine than in the Savior and souls being saved. And so they rejected Jesus and said, why don't you get out of here? Why don't you leave our country? They reviled him in 9.3. And at once, some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. Imagine accusing the Son of God with that. They reasoned against him in, in 9-11. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? At every opportunity, they, they were against him. 
They ridiculed him in 924, but when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose, and the, and the report of this went out into all the land. I'm sorry, I read 25, 26, 24. And he said to them, make room, for the girl is not dead but sleeping, and they ridiculed him. They ridiculed him. And that didn't happen just once in Jesus' ministry. And on and on. They reproached him, they repudiated him, and of course they were ruthless to stop him. They plotted to kill him. We cannot have this going on. We don't get very many to come to hear us in the synagogue, but this man has all these people flocking after him, running around trying to get close to him. We cannot have this. And they plotted to kill him. So when Jesus went to all the cities and villages, that was a daring thing to do. He was in foreign country. He was among opposing people. He was hated. He was reviled. They wanted to kill him. And of course you know that Jesus said, if they hated me, they'll hate you. And of course you know that in many places around the world, believers like you and me are being ridiculed, repudiated, they're being tortured, they're being killed as we speak this morning around the world. And folks, if we're going to reach our Jerusalem, we're going to need to dare. We're going to need to take risks. We're going to have to put ourselves out there. And I think that's sort of a foreign concept to us American Christians. We have had it good in our country. Praise the Lord. And the gospel has flourished in our country, and we have been the main for many years, I'm not so sure now, but source of sending missionaries throughout the world. Praise the Lord for that. But I, I just wonder how daring we are. I really do. The Apostle Paul, I read about him, and he said, I don't, I don't value my life that much. For me to live is Christ. I love living for Christ, but to die is gain, and I will die for him if necessary. In fact, I think Paul really wanted to die for him if you read closely in Philippians 3 and other places. And we hold so fast to our lives and to our way of life and to our comforts. And it doesn't bode well for the spirit of being a harvester. I, I just spent three weeks on the farm with my younger brother here a while back, and, 
And I'm telling you, uh, they go all out for the harvest. And they, they go from early in the morning to late at night, and then they do it again the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And, and I watch them get, get uh, tired. I watch them get sick, and I watch them continue on anyway. I just wish that we could capture some of that in the spiritual harvest. Where is the spirit today? We need to dare. We need to share. Jesus went on. It's, it goes on to say about Jesus in verse 35 that he went out to all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And we aren't Jesus, and we're not going to be able to lay our hands on somebody and or just speak the word like Brother Jim said in Sunday school, and a man's hand is restored. But we can preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we should, and we must. We need to share. In chapter 10, verses 5 through 7, Notice 10.5, these 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles, do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He expected his followers to do as he did and now go out and preach and teach the gospel. And they did. In fact, you look on into the book of Acts, and how many times were they commanded by the rulers to no more teach and preach in this name? And they said, if that seems right to you in your own life, let it be. But we cannot but speak the things we have seen and heard. We can't help it. We're going to be sharing. We're going to be teaching. We're going to be preaching. Reminds me of that little chorus we sang with our children. It's bubbling. It's bubbling. It's bubbling in my soul. They're singing and laughing. And since Jesus made me whole, folks can't understand it. I cannot keep it quiet. It's bubbling. It's bubbling. It's bubbling in my heart. I've got to say it. I've got to share Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent, Isaiah 62, 6. Be ready always to give an answer of the hope that lies within you with meekness and fear, 1 Peter 3, 15. I remember... Shortly after we moved here, I went to a prayer breakfast at Perkins. And uh, Brother Dan Mills gave a testimony that morning. I say the name right? Dan Mills, right? Uh, it's scary up here, and my, my names with folks just fail me sometimes. But I really related to his testimony because he's from the Creston area, and that's my home church and, and area. 
And uh, he said he grew up in an unsaved home. His dad was a profane man. And they went to a gas station one time. He said he was just a boy. And they went to a gas station. And, and a kind man at the gas station invited them to First Baptist Church in Creston. And his dad came back to the car. And his mom and his dad joined together in mocking that kind gas station attendants and inviting them to church. But you know... Sometimes time has a great way of supporting the truth. And years went by, and Dan was saved. I don't remember how, but his dad became seriously ill. And that gas station attendant and another man in the church went and visited that home. And... I wish I could remember all the details. I think his father accepted Christ before he died, but I'm just saying, if we're going to follow Christ and we do what Christ did and we do what Christ commanded us to do, we need to share. We need to share the gospel. As a pastor, I always felt like I'm not doing enough sharing. I'm not doing enough gospel work. I'm to do the work of an evangelist, and so I had to go out of my way to do that. But in our second church up in Hibbing, Minnesota, God put it in my heart, I think, let's canvas our entire town and give them a track, invite them to church, and so forth. And... I don't know if any of you have ever been up there, but Hibbing, Minnesota is a town of about now 16, 17,000 people. It's the largest town. That's not a large town, but it's the large, largest town on the Iron Range up there in northern Minnesota. And at that time, there was a little sign on the edge of town that said, Welcome to Hibbing, Minnesota's largest city. Well, of course, it wasn't near the largest city in population, but in square miles, it was the largest city because of the way it was spread out as a mining town and had annexed a lot of, of, of uh, land around it. So technically it was the largest city. And, and so I tried to lead our church in canvassing Hibbing, Minnesota. I put up a map of all the streets and everything on the bulletin board, and we kind of colored in as we made it down through different streets and different areas. It was tough. Northern Minnesota is really tough. When I went there, the, the state rep for Minnesota at the time was Paul Lobb. And he said, now, Brother Don, I want to warn you, he said, up here in northern Minnesota, it's not the same as it was in southern Iowa where you came from. And people don't respond the same. People don't say amen when you're preaching. People don't come forward at the invitation. It's a different culture up here. I thought, ah, oh, well, yeah, thank you, inside. But I was thinking, people are generally the same everywhere. It's not going to be that where we're going to see great things happen for God, even visibly, you know, God... You know, young preachers, great aspirations. So we canvassed the town. It, we never got finished. 
but we worked at it for two or three years. And, and to tell you the truth, I, I, I don't get discouraged very often, but I was discouraged. We had not seen anybody come to church. We had not seen that I know of somebody saved by the distribution of tracts. And, and I'll never forget, sort of at the low point of my discouragement. I went to church, as usual, one Sunday morning, opened it up, turned the lights on, and to my amazement, that morning, we had 14 first-time visitors to Sunday school. You know what that was? That was God. And it was all of God. But I think it was some of God saying, I know where you are. I know what you're doing. And I'm going to bless my word. I'm going to bless it. And it's not going to be in a way that you think you did it. I'm going to do it. And most of those people ended up joining the church eventually. Some saved, some baptized, many of them, and joining the church. I just, I, I marvel what God can do and oftentimes does do as we just obey the Lord. And as Jesus went about, he dared and he shared. And he cared. It says, verse 36, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And if we're going to reap the harvest in our Jerusalem, we're going to need to dare, we're going to need to share, and we're going to need to care. Because as the old adage says, I do not so much care how much you know until you show how much you care. I kind of murdered that. <laughs> but I, I think you got it. If you care, if you really care, it will be noticeable. It will be demonstrated. Flashing back to our first pastorate, we had a businessman that had a, worked in a business on the square in Knoxville, Iowa. And one winter morning while he was working in his, in his business, in the business, he heard the sound of spinning wheels. And he looked, and outside, directly outside the, the windows, the big windows, sidewalk, cars were parked, was a car attempting to back out of its parking, play, parking space. And you've, it's, all, it's happened to all of us at one time or another. You're, you're parked somewhere, and your rear wheels are on ice, and you can't move. And that was the case with this car. And it couldn't go forward and, and rock because 
the front tires were against the curb. He went out, curiosity, maybe do something, and there was a young girl behind the wheel, and she was just, you know, exasperated. He walked up alongside, she rolled down the window, he said, you know, just, can I help you? Oh, well, just a minute. And he came around to the front of the car, and, and he pushed on the front of the car, and it's amazing, with very little effort, she went back a couple inches, hit the pavement, and she was free. Oh my, she was so thankful. He, he walked over, she said, thank you so much. I, I wanna, you know, here's some money, or, he said, no, 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 no. He said, if you wanna do something for me, come to our church next Sunday. She said, well, where do you go to church? He said, well, Faith Baptist Church, it's just down Main Street here on the edge of town. And she thanked him and went on. Now, we all invite people to church, and many times they don't come, right? But next Sunday morning, Jane, I think senior in high school, came to church. She was a, good, she was a Catholic girl, but she, she came to our church that Sunday morning. And she heard the word. And one of the young men in the church knew her from high school, was amazed that she was in our church that Sunday morning, and the next couple Sunday mornings, they were sitting together in church. She was back. After the service, two, three, four weeks into this, Dennis brought Jane to me, and she received Christ in my office after church. And I had the privilege, sometime later, months, years, I don't remember exactly the length of time, but performing their wedding, and they began a Christian home, and what a what a blessing. And it all goes back to one man in our church who pushed on the front of her car, got her out of that spot. What was that? It was, he, he cared. It wasn't a big deal. He just did some small thing, and God used that very small thing to bring her to first our church, and then hearing the gospel, and then being saved, and then marrying a Christian young man in our church and establishing a Christian home. Isn't that beautiful? We need to dare. We need to share. And we need to care. And lastly, we need prayer. We need prayer. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Pray. Same problem back then. Plenteous harvest, very few harvesters. Doesn't say very few Christians, very few saints. Doesn't say the saints are few, the laborers are few. The laborers are few. You know, you hear all kinds of stats and all kinds of analogies and things throughout the years in ministry and and uh, some have said that in the church, uh, you know, 90% of the people watch the 10% that are working, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. Uh, and it's better than that in, in some of our churches. And I guess we all just need to ask ourselves, 
Am I a laborer in the harvest? We need to look at Jesus, what he said and what he did, and we need to follow his example. As I mentioned a little bit ago, I went over and helped my brother in the harvest, and uh, I had a great time doing it. When we moved here a year ago this summer, I was newly retired, and I said to Dallas, I said, you know what? Farming is a lot different than it used to be, and it's and I can't probably run your combine, and I'm not qualified to drive your semi-trailer trucks, but I could learn how to drive your four-wheel drive tractor and, and grain cart and do that for you. And if there's anything I can do, just let me know. I'll come over and help. So a year ago, I went over for three days and helped. This year, it was three weeks and helped. But a year ago, as I was helping, I remember one day specifically, and I hated to do this because, I mean, uh, in one sense I hated to do it because I had to quit early and leave him and his wife and the harvest. Uh, But what had happened was our youngest son and his wife had given Jenny and I tickets to the Broadway play, White Christmas. And that had been on the calendar a long time, and I could not, I could not let that go. And so at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I quit. I went back to the farmhouse. I cleaned up, dressed up, drove to Des Moines, downtown Des Moines, met my wife at the Civic Center. She had, she had driven in from Altoona here where, where we live. And uh, we had a date to see White Christmas. It was, it was fun, it was beautiful, it was wonderful. But it was so strange, because after it was over, instead of taking my wife home like I usually do, and sort of continuing the spirit of the date, you know, uh, I had to kiss her goodbye and go back to the farm, which I did. It was, it was so strange. And five months ago, Friday, I brought my wife home from the hospital and I kissed her goodbye and she went home to heaven. And I'm still here. And the only thing I can conclude is God wants, to, wants me to keep on going in the harvest. I told Pastor... A few nights ago, I said, you know, this missions conference, it's, it's tugged at my heart, and, and God's been working with me, and I know I need to be involved in this community. I said, I'm not the best church member because I'm out preaching a lot, and I have kids and grandkids and all that kind of thing in this stage of life that I'm in, but I want to do whatever I can to help with the harvest and pastor if there's somebody you're calling on and you want somebody to go with you or you want me to make a call for you or whatever just let me know I want to do what I can and I think that's where I hope 
the rest of us are. I hope that you will say, you know, I, I may not preach, I may not teach Sunday school, I may not hold an office, I may not sing a solo, I may not play in the orchestra, but there's something I can do to help with the harvest here. I have neighbors, I have friends, I have coworkers, I have extended family. Maybe I can help somebody get out of a parking spot they're stuck in. Maybe, maybe I can take a warm pie. Maybe I can send a card. Maybe I can make a phone call. Maybe I can make a hospital call. Maybe I can walk across the street and invite my neighbors to our Christmas program. Whatever it is, we need to take the risk. We need to dare and we need to share and we need to care and we need to, we need to pray about it. We really need prayer. We really need to pray. The Lord of the harvest, that he would send out laborers into the harvest. And we need to be willing to say with Isaiah, here am I, send me. Maybe not to Africa, maybe not to Germany, maybe not to Australia or wherever it might be. But Lord, send me to that neighbor, that friend, and that coworker, and Help me to do some little thing to help with the harvest. I hope that's your heart this morning. And you can do that. We can do that. And together, God will do great and mighty things. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this passage. Thank you for the example of Jesus. And I pray, O oh God, you are the Lord of the harvest, that you would send forth laborers, into this, into the fields that are white unto harvest, right here in Altoona and the surrounding area. And Lord, that each of us be, would be willing to say, Lord, send me whatever I can do, large or small, just show me, empower me, help me, help me, Lord, to do it. Help me to be a harvester. Help me to, to reap and help the precious grain of souls to fall in, into the family of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor.